we place a premium. I want you to know this. We place a premium on the Word of God and on the teaching of the Word of God. So I, I didn't want to. I didn't want you to go out of this place without getting at least something to chew on, um, besides your taco uh, later on this afternoon. Okay. So if, if you um, if you have your Bible, uh, could you just mark Romans chapter one? Mark that for me. And then also, if you'd like to turn there, I'd like for you to see it. If you can find it, it's in Jeremiah, uh, and we'll be in chapter 2, just verse 13. So um, kind of hold a place in Romans 1 and Jeremiah 2, and, we'll, and I'll, get, I'll get there in just a minute. Okay, well, if, if, you've, uh, if you've been a part of, of our life group, you've, you've heard this. Um, but I, I kind of wanted, um, wanted to share just what God has been impressing upon my heart um, not just the last couple of weeks, but the last couple of years. And so I'm going to try to do that in about five minutes, um, maybe ten. Okay, so I have no idea how long it will last, frankly, because I didn't write up anything. I usually write up a manuscript. Daryl likes to make notes, and then he'll kind of, you know, but I'm, I'm, I'm like an old school guy. I know I don't look old school, but I am old school. I have manuscripts, and I'll read it like word for word. So this is all just kind of uh, uh, from the hip. Um, but it does relate to what we what we have been learning, what Daryl has been teaching us in Ezra. Um, and just to catch some of you up, we've been uh, uh, going through from chapter 1, verse 1, through the book of Ezra. And last week, um, uh, basically God levied an indictment against the Israelites for, for not having worked on the house of the Lord. So here's the situation. You have some... Um, um, some a remnant, what God calls a remnant, people who He saved and kept pure, um, coming from um, captivity, coming back to Israel, and uh, they initially had the right to rebuild the temple of God, which had been destroyed. So they had they had got to the foundation. There may have even been um, uh, a little bit else come up. Certainly, the altar was in place, um, and then we had some. We, we had some other people in the land who were polytheistic. They, they worshipped many gods. They claimed that they worshipped our God, but in claiming, in claiming that, then by definition, they couldn't worship any other god. So um, the Israelites knew that they were, um, uh, they were not telling the truth when they said they were worshippers of Yahweh. Uh, simply by definition, um, that excludes the worship of any other god. So... Those people who were, frankly, offended at the refusal of the Israelites to help them rebuild the temple then went about it in another way. So first they tried subterfuge. Uh, they tried to get in and um, uh, um, well, basically work from the inside and poison the well, if you will. But because they couldn't do that, they made an all-out offensive. And they wrote to the king of the day, and they had the Israelites stopped. The, the, the word says, by force of arms, the Israelites were stopped from continuing to rebuild the temple. So we joined, we picked up that story last week. And um, even though they were initially stopped by a force of arms, 15 years have gone by now, and they haven't started working on the house of God again. So God levies an indictment against them and says, what's the deal? Because what had happened was their houses were what he called paneled, which is another way of saying they were plush. They were, they were pimped out. I mean, their houses, they, they didn't lack anything in their own homes, right? And meanwhile, the, God says, but so you guys are living, you guys are accruing, you guys are accumulating this, these worldly possessions for yourself. And meanwhile, my house lies desolate. Okay, um, 
so this this is where we were and then as i was uh as i was thinking about um where god has been leading me i i i had to start i had to start asking some criti- some critical questions and and the first question is why why is god bent on having well i guess in this situation we can start there on a small scale on a mic on a mic microscopic scale why why is god why does he want them to start building his house i mean can we ask ourselves a few questions can we ask ourselves does god need a house right that's the first question well he must need a house if he's so upset that these people have gone 15 years without building his house he must need a house right well let's let's read uh, there's another verse i should turn to Acts 17 you guys go to Acts 17 Okay, so let's ask our question, a few questions again. It, it, we need to ask ourselves, what's the deal with God and his indictment against the Israelites for not returning to work on the temple, on the house of the Lord? We, we need to ask ourselves, is, is, God, is God seeking this, this adulation because he needs it? Does he need to be adored? Does God need to be worshipped? Does God need to be praised? Because if you're a critical thinking person, some of these scriptures, you're, you're thinking to yourself, well, this guy is a real, he's like an egomaniac. I mean, he's just, he's, you, you know that it's not optional, right? Worship, worshiping God is not optional. Did you know that? I don't have time to turn to all the pages. Just give me some nods. You know that worshiping God is not optional, right? You know that, right? I mean, that's, a, that's some foundational Christian teaching. Yeah, right? I mean, it's not optional. So you've got to ask yourselves, well, what's the deal here? Because if any other person said, you must worship me, delight yourself in me, we'd be asking, what on earth? Right? I mean, that, that's a strange command. For a being to, to, to command worship from us, we've got to ask ourselves some questions. Well, this guy, um, what we know in Scripture to be true about him is he doesn't need, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Right? Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Right? Since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God. If you're an underliner or a marker, I would underline or mark that first part of verse 27, that they would seek God. Okay. So we've just answered a few really important questions. It seems on the surface that sometimes God, in his command to worship him, because we have just, it's just natural for us to attribute to God human tendencies, that he's ego. He's just a gigantic egomaniac, and he needs to be lauded and praised, and he needs to have his ego uh, stroked, right? But we know, even if this was the only verse we had in Acts 17, that that's not true. God is not served by us. He does not need us. He has, since eternity past, been completely fulfilled, satisfied, and complete in the fellowship of the Trinity. So we've got to ask ourselves some different questions then, I think. Right? If those questions are no, well, it's not because of that. It's not because he needs us or he needs a temple. Why is he calling Israel back and indicting them that they're not 
working on his house when he doesn't even need the house. I think I think um, got to ask yourselves these critical these critical questions. So um, so let's let's do this. You've got you've got Romans one right and um, Jeremiah two. I want to I want to compound I want to compound the problem for us just with these two verses. Okay, let's make God out to be an even bigger egomaniac and see then if we can deal with the problem. And there are uh, there are far worse, but as I these just kind of came to mind. Okay, um, Jeremiah two, verse thirteen, and this is the Lord speaking to His people: For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. Okay, so that's the first evil. And the second evil is they have hewed for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Okay, so keep that in mind. And then let's go to Romans 1. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, that they are without excuse. For even though, here we go, even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And here's the evil We see it again, as we just read in Jeremiah 2. They exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. So here's the great sin of humanity. And you can find it everywhere through Scripture. In Romans in Jeremiah, in Isaiah, in just about every book of the Bible. The great evil, the great sin of man is not worshiping God and worshiping lesser things. So again, we're asking ourselves, if God doesn't need it, then what's the deal? Well, there can only be one answer. God's call to his own glorification is actually a call for us to experience our greatest joy, our greatest fulfillment, our greatest happiness. is the glorification of God. Are you with me? Give me a little nod if that makes sense to you. Okay, so um, let me see if I can find it. Okay, I'm going to read you a little bit of this. Um, this little, I call it a ditty. And it speaks about what we're what we're talking about. And I'm just hoping it's going to clarify it for you in your own heart and in your own mind. And I'm going to use a quote by Louis Giglio in his book, I Am Not, But I Know I Am. And he's asking the questions that we were just asking. Here's what he says. He says, if God does everything he does for his glory, does that make him an egotist? Does the fact that he is bent on having all of creation bow down and worship him make him the world's biggest megalomaniac? Behaviors, skills, intelligence, etc. Despite the best efforts of postmodern thinking, which is that we can't really know anything, we do not, for example, teach our children that there is equal value in stealing and in sharing. 
Even if we were to make a post, take a postmodern line of thinking on the matter, we could still say unequivocally that every people group and every civilization across time has valued some ideas and behaviors more than others, even if it's postmodernism. Right? With these beliefs, then, we begin to see why God is not a megalomaniac. He is simply being God. Loving, wise, holy, perfect, all of his omnis in declaration of his greater worth. For if God is infinitely more valuable than everything else combined, which he is, he cannot do anything but put himself first. It is not as if God is seeking to pump himself up with self-adulation or gratuitous praise, which leads us to our second thought that God's command for us to praise him is nothing other than irrefutable evidence of his perfect, infinite love. So, God is perfect. He has no defect, no need. Our praising him does not in any way increase his greatness. It is ridiculous to believe that God's ego needs to be stroked and that why he is commanding our worship. Rather, because of God's love, he brought forth us, a uniquely created being, for the express purpose of and with this mysterious ability to enjoy. So, as I've read in C.S. Lewis and John Piper, they express wonderfully that our praise is also our greatest joy. And so, I wonder why we deprive ourselves our greatest joy. We continually shoot ourselves in the spiritual foot, seeking after, clamoring after the things of this world. Right? Don't we do that? Instead of, instead of treasuring the infinite greatness of God, we abandon the fountain of living water and we dig for ourselves broken cisterns. We, we, we clamor after things that can't even hold water. We pour everything in there and it just leaks out. This is the picture of humanity. God is calling out, come enjoy. Come enjoy. Infinite greatness, infinite goodness, infinite perfection. Come enjoy me. And we exchange that for pursuing adulterous affairs and pornography and drugs and a myriad of other lesser things. That is the great sin of this and the non-professionalism of having to rifle through papers. So thank you for your grace there. You guys are, are gracious. Well, let's stand together and we'll close uh, with one last song.